I think it is important to recognize the things that people are are doing well and really call it out, you know, intentionally call it out so that people know that their successes are being seen, you know, and the teacher in the room next to you when you see them doing something great, you know, um, I think that's really powerful. The topic for today's episode is teaching is hard and it matters. Tech Talk for Teachers is brought to you by Avid.org. Avid believes that a single teacher can change the life of a student. To learn more about Avid, visit our website at avid.org. Welcome to Tech Talk for Teachers, the podcast where teachers discuss how technology and teaching best practices can positively transform education to create equitable classrooms for future ready learners. I'm Rena Clark. I'm Paul Beckerman. And I'm Winston Benjamin. We are educators. And we're here to share actionable teaching strategies you can implement into your classroom. Our quote for today is from Tom Whitaker. And he says... The best thing about being a teacher is that it matters. The hardest thing about being a teacher is that it matters every day. Ah, uh, that is both a paradox and a truth. <laughs> oh, wow. You know, I think about when something doesn't matter to us, I think of the opposite of it. You know, we can easily toss it aside and give it a half-hearted effort and whatever. It doesn't really matter. But as teachers, we care about our kids, we care about the students, so we battle through. Even when it's hard, you know, we dig down, we give everything we have because we care. Um, we know that, that for some kids, that might be the most important interaction of the day. Um, and that's what makes it hard because of that emotional drain on us all the time. You know, you're always on. And um, jumping ahead of myself, but, you know, what can we do about that to support our teachers? I think we can recognize and tell them how important they are in some of those lives too. You know, that's not going to totally fill the tank, but it certainly is a lot better than putting everything out and not getting anything back to. So um, like the quote. Absolutely. I think I agree. I see the paradox, but I also want to compare it to sports. I like thinking about teaching as being a harder than a sport. So I think about like baseball or basketball, right? Like you're in the outfield. There's a moment where you're taking that play off. It doesn't come to you. You still focus, but you're not in the play. And I think with teaching, it's always you're in the play. This period, this student can, something can happen with the student. 30, something from outside can impact the way your, your classroom is. The weather can impact the classroom and how students respond. So I really, th- I really appreciate that it recognized not only that it's hard overall, but every moment of every day, there's something else that you have to focus in on and pay attention to, to care for a child or their family. So I just think that part about every day is really important like we just do it grind 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 because it matters i agree and you know what the best part of well not the best part but a part that i really loved about that quote is that you said it wearing your new york yankees hat winston (laughs) (laughs) so fitting well then it made (laughs) it made me think like yeah baseball more it's more like a really intense singles tennis match where there's no Mm. (laughs) taking Mm -hmm. there's no rest there's no and in baseball we back up and we have to pay attention but you have a moment to breathe where i see some of those like intense tennis matches or some other single sport where it's like 
go, 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 go. And you have a team that supports you, but it is intense. <laughs> right? Like in other sports, you could call a timeout. <laughs> True. Well, and I was watching the football playoffs recently, and I could tell when the play went to the right-hand side, the receiver on the left side, he took like three steps and then just stopped. <laughs> you know, So I'm going to get a breather out of this one. Right. <laughs> no disrespect to sports fans who listen. We love you. You matter to us. <laughs> right, this might be one of the first times we, we all are sports fans. So this is a, an interesting of bringing that to our program. So the topic, we wanted to make sure we brought this topic forward because it's so important right now. And we all know and have talked about how teaching has been a high-stress job for many years now. Demands have become greater, and in some cases, with fewer and fewer resources. Then, after all of that, we had a pandemic, and things became even more stressful. So the truth is that teaching can be very difficult, but it still matters. It matters to students, families, communities, and on a much larger scale, our country and the world and the future. So I recently read an article actually that Paul sent me from Forbes titled, This is the Hard Part of Teaching, It's Getting Harder. And one of the main topics was this idea that there is never enough, never enough time, never enough resources, never enough you. And in the article, it talked about this idea that, and then this is a quote, it says, teaching is a 10-gallon bucket in which teachers are expected to carry 15 gallons of stuff. And so they make choices. If they refuse to choose, things just spill anyways. So society is always trying to add more and more to that bucket. And the pandemic has exacerbated that situation with even more things to go into the bucket. And the bucket is way past over full and teachers are becoming frustrated with the number of compromises they have to make, the number of things they know they want to do in their classrooms, but they can't. So we're just acknowledging that this is true. This is happening. So the first kind of question and topic we're going to talk about is when we are thinking about all the choices that teachers have to make or the things they have to let go of, what are some things that can make a big difference? I think for me, one of the, some of the things that can make a big difference is like recognizing your students' needs. And like by recognizing your students' needs, you can then make better choices, right? Like if they need emotional support, I don't really need to worry about anything about like wiping the board or keeping the board clean or things of that nature. That's a simple thing, right? But being able to recognize like what my students particularly need will then help me make choices that I feel are more effective, right? So if I see a positive outcome out of a choice, then I'll continue to do that. So I think recognizing where your students are, what they need, and also being honest with yourself about like what you can do, because if you can't do it, don't take it on. Right. Don't take it on. And I just add, it's like what you can and can't control. And I think sometimes we have this perception that we actually we can influence, but we don't actually control a lot of things. So being realistic about what we can and cannot control and then kind of connecting that to what you just said, Winston, it's like seeing the need and then making choices based on that. And one of the things that I think we can control a little bit is, um, you know, how we manage the the paperwork in our classroom a little bit, too. When I was a rookie teacher, I took a course at the beginning of my master's class. I might have talked about this before, but in how to manage the graded grading workload. 
Like, how do you do that? You know, especially as an English teacher, you know, I could get 75 research papers and each one's going to take me an hour. Well, that's two weeks straight if I just only grade and don't work and don't sleep, or whatever else. Um, but there's some things that you can do. And these stuck with me all these years. You know, you can do portfolios. So you can have students write four things. Maybe they get feedback from peers on some of you know on all of them, or maybe you have conferences with them, but they only turn one in for an official grade. The other three are formative. Um, the peer feedback, the self feedback, teach kids how to self evaluate. What what looks like good work? You know, even in kindergarten, what's wow work? You know, what makes your mom and dad go wow when they see it? Um, we can you know now leverage. Station rotation in a blended learning setting where one of the stations is teacher conferencing and it's built right into the lesson. Catlin Tucker talks about how she takes much less paperwork home now that she uses blended learning because she does the grading in real time with conferences with the teachers. Um, and now we have automated, you know, little quizzes too that self correct. Um, there's lots of ways that we can probably mitigate some of that now. And I think efficiencies, if we can find them, are one of the ways we can do it. I really like that because that reminds me of one of my favorite quotes of all time came from a cartoon when I was growing up. Uh, DuckTales, if anybody's ever seen it. <laughs> uh, exactly. Scrooge McDuck, <laughs> baby. Work smarter, not harder. Right. There's a lot of ways that we can find systems that gives us breathing spaces. And you just uh, demonstrated and talked about many of those, Paul. But I really appreciate that. It's like sometimes we get away from systems, but your systems to make it simpler is a really good point in, in, in that, in that. And a key part of those systems kind of, as I was listening, is like prioritization. Like we can't do it all. And it's like back to the center. So what do we prioritize? And I'm having to do this right now, my own work, even my director is like, how do we prioritize? Because it can't do it all. It's not possible right now. Also this idea of saying no to something, which if you all know me, no is really hard. We talk about it. But being able to say no and then not feeling bad or guilty and not making others feel bad or guilty if they say no is really important. I know when we talked to Cherie Spencer, that idea of like teacher shaming, teachers are the worst teacher shamers. So we all need to stop doing that. And that's something we can all do. It's like my wife always tells me, it's an enunciation problem, Rena. Instead of saying no, you say, oh, because <laughs> you, you're kind of caught off guard it's like oh really okay and then you end up doing it right <laughs> uh, so kind of makes me think about the next question so what are some little ways that teaching partners coaches admin or other support staff might help especially those teachers in the classroom right now I think one of the things, just like we just said, is be realistic about the expectations that you have of your teachers. What can they really get done this week? What can they get done without a prep period? Like, what can you say it's okay that they don't get done so that they have an opportunity to then prioritize some of their classroom engagement, student family engagement, or even themselves and self-care? So I think in um, for me, I think some of the stuff that admin or teacher partners or coaches can do with each other is like literally be like, I see you and I am OK with you not getting this done today. Right. Like, I think sometimes allowing that is important. 
I think even going a step further, it's not about not even getting it done, but literally taking it off their plate for them. And I know this is happening. I was just working with someone this week and we had a staff meeting. And quite frankly, it was kind of not the most important. And we just said, you know, we already had a staff meeting this month. We're just going to take it off the plate. Like we're just pulling that because what's meaningful, intentional, that's not going to happen in this meeting because no one's had a planning period. No one's, that's not what they need. So rather than we actually took it off their plate for them and removing some things I think is really helpful. Um, and, and another thing, I know some of those nuts and bolts things in meetings that take up time. Instead, it's just an email with a checklist like, yeah, I've, I've got it. I read it. And that takes five minutes instead of 30. And the information's the same. I really appreciate that, Rena. You know, if it can be in an email, it shouldn't be in a meeting. Meetings should be for that discussion, the interpersonal, the back and forth, the stuff that really takes that face-to-face contact time. If it doesn't, get it out of there. You know, like you said, take it off the plate. And I've seen some principals do that, even like with back-to-school workshops. They'll put together a playlist of all the things that teachers need to accomplish um, before the first day of school. You know, all all the stuff that's just the regular, you know, you have to go through it. Right. So they make a playlist. The teachers, if they want, they can actually choose to start that before workshop week and then flex that time out during workshop week, you know, depending on what their personal needs are. So the principal is seeing that they're stressed and overworked. And they're saying, all right, I'm going to give you flexibility. I'm going to let you do this on your own time. If you're fast and efficient, you might get through this in you know, an hour instead of two hours. And then, okay, you bought yourself an hour back. And then when you're done, just sign off on this Google form saying that you've read it so that I know, you know, everybody's gotten the information because that's my requirement. I need to make sure everybody's got it. Yeah, I, I think that's great. I know this this last week, my team and I, we put together some professional learning. And this is back to kind of before you talked about Caitlin Tucker and blended learning. And we now have blended learning, professional learning. So Right now, professional development, I'm going to say, is not high on a lot of people's priorities because they have no time, but they still care, want to learn. Once again, this is back. It's hard, but it still matters. And there's a lot of people that still want to do and learn. So by providing a very flexible mode, we have some synchronous sessions, but the rest is all async. And we've even flexed it more to say pick and choose. And if you don't want to do all of it, it's like 10 clock hours, but maybe you only want to do three of the clock hours. That's okay. Pick and choose what matters to you, what works for you, and we're there to support you. Um, so having that flexibility, we, y'all, we had over 40 people show up. So I was beyond shocked that, you know, right now when we're short, people are subbing, we still have people showing up. Um, so making it more flexible for everyone. I think that you're you're hitting on something that's so important, which is like admin or everyone stop going to the same well and drying out that well. You have the people who will give their heart and everything to the job and they are the ones who have to say no. So make it a little easier on them and don't ask him to do something that's so hard for them. Like try to diversify your, your pool, right? Go to different people when you can, and by building that pool and making someone else feel like, Oh, wow. Edmund believes in me that I can take on this responsibility. Let me grow in that, in that space. So I think opening it up to more people so that you don't burden your rock stars, like give them the fourth quarter off, 
You know what I mean? Like sports. Sit, they're exactly sit them down for the fourth quarter. Let them let them. We already doing it right. Like give them a little break. And I think that's a that would be something important that we could do. But I still like Rena's example in that you're not stopping professional development. There was a phrase that I heard from one of my colleagues. He said, you still got to feed the hungry. <laughs> you know, some educators, they're still hungry to learn and grow despite, you know, the burden of being really overstressed. But that's what keeps them going. You know, if I stop learning and stop growing, I just I can't get excited about what I'm doing. So I love that you're still feeding the hungry. And then I, I'm going to take something out of Winston's book. Something he does really well is he simply asks, what do you need? <laughs> nice. And that question, just phrasing it, what do you need? Asking the people you work with. I know I have mentees that I ask that. And it is amazing the things that you can elicit simply by asking that question. <laughs> yeah, the care. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. The care. And you know, one thing that I see teachers needing is they need that um, socialization that they did not get for like a year and a half. <laughs> you know, everybody was so isolated. I've seen more and more this year than ever before in my career of staff organizing their own little outings after school or on a Friday at the end of the day. They call them choir practice here because, you know, you have to be careful about what language you use. But anybody up for choir practice this week? <laughs> you know, and then they... <laughs> Pam used to think they were really singing. It's like, man, they sing a lot around here. <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know what i i love it if there's a need there somebody's gonna try to fill it and i think that really is a need that connection mm-hmm. i know and we have a remote school this year so we have a few people that literally have never worked with others in person i know right now that that is a big drain for them and how much it matters so it's important so that kind of brings us to our third question what is something small that made a difference for you this week somebody told me thank you oh that's big yeah right like after meeting with them after having a conversation about them they were really focusing on trying to get students to value um tech and coding and they were like yo i just don't get that the students aren't caring about it and i was like wow well maybe they're just tired right now like it's okay to take a break and the permission that I gave them, they were so grateful for that. And they said, thank you. And I kept going. I just like that filled me up beyond anything. I was like, oh, man, I'm appreciated. So that's just one thing that like really helped me go through. You know, I'm always amazed that the things that teachers say to me made such a big difference for them in, in trainings and such like that is they'll say, you don't know how much it meant to me when you said you didn't get it. <laughs> you know, when you didn't know what the answer was, you made me feel so much better about myself. It's like giving people permission not to be perfect all the time, right? Mm-hmm. So important. I, I think we talked about this, but I've been been changing one of my practices. A lot of people will ask, Elian, how are you doing? Um, and I've been changing it to, then I respond, well, what's something good about today? I just did it today, actually, with someone I haven't seen in a while. How'd it go? And it went great because then I actually elicit a response <laughs> and some, and because um, I, I feel like it, otherwise it's not truthful if necessarily ask how's it going so generically broad. <laughs> but this, uh, I tend to get a little more information um, about them and something positive. And I've even been told, you know, I, I didn't think about it positive. Then you ask that 
And I thought about it that way. And it's almost a little bit like a thank you in some senses. <laughs> mm-hmm, for sure. You know, it was interesting. I knew that we were going to be recording this this topic today. And I just saw on Facebook this weekend, a teacher posted, why do I still teach even though my job gets more and more stressful and overwhelming? And she posted this long bulleted list of all these things that she really values about teaching. And I'm not going to read them all to you, but I'm just going to share a couple. One was, because kids are funny. They make me laugh every day. And, uh, you know, it's true. We have, if we can have fun with our students, that is, that is such a bucket filler right there. And then she says, because I get to be my weird and crazy self, something that I can relate to, and I try hard to entertain while teaching. So it helps motivate. Um, and then she gets serious toward the end of the list and says, because children truly are our future. And hopefully I'm getting, you know, I'm helping them get to where they want to go. She said, because I do want to make a difference. And um, at this point, this is how I make a difference, and it does still keep me fulfilled, even though I'm dead tired at the end of the day. True that. like, And I think they're, going back to something Rena said, like Paul himself mulling through that comment of uh, like, kids are funny and they're silly, and I love it, right? And that's why I still do this job. I think I'm funny, too. You are funny, Winston. Thank you. Rena, you said <laughs> something that, I, that I'm still kind of trying to mull through, which is this whole idea of like, how do you shift people from giving the same BS conversation when you say hello. Mm-hmm. Right. And I usually, sometimes there are times when I, that, that I'm using this now where I'm forcing people to stop to actually process what I say. So when people ask me how I'm doing, I'm like, I'm vertical and I'm verbal. <laughs> and you know how long it takes someone to go, what? And then they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, oh yeah, I'm still here. Like that. And we can have the real conversation. So it's like, breaking those social cues so that we can like do more things than the normal BS conversations. So that that's something that made me think about that as well. All right. I think it's time for the toolkit. Check it out. Check it out. Check it out. Check it out. What's in the toolkit? What, what is in the toolkit? What's in the toolkit? Check it out. So what's in your toolkit today, Rena? So I was trying to think about this, um, and I think I finally just some really technical things, alarms, notices, checklists with priority ratings. So I know I've, I've been doing this with, for myself back to what am I control of priority ratings have really helped me. Like, what is the priority? And then some of those things on the bottom list, honestly, they just have to go away. Like, it's not even it's something I'm checking anymore. It's more like, mm, that's something we cannot do. Um, so I use, there's some different ways I do this. The good old, you know, have a piece of paper, put a checkbox and do it that way. I also like just using some, there's a great Chrome extension that lets me put different checklists or sticky notes on my device. So whatever works for you, because everyone knows you do it differently, but just prioritizing and knowing it's okay to let some things go. Amen. I think uh, for me, I think one of the two things I might take away from the toolkit is create real opportunities to connect with others, right? Like we are just passing through the moments, like how you're doing, but taking the time to actually like, oh, I'm setting 15 minutes aside to talk to someone. Like I'm going to give my time to this person in a real way in terms of like finding your marigold. So for me, the toolkit is like, yo, really connect with somebody, like actually ask how you're doing, like really, really hear how they're doing. So that's something I'm walking away with. 
And I can I add on to that? And I just want to give a call out. I have a, a partner, and I'll uh, her name's Kelly. But recently, it was nice. We just had an opportunity to connect, and um, it was more like a social connection for a moment. But it was nice because it wasn't just about school. We also have a very similar family situation, so it's like. Not only could we talk to what's going on in our jobs, but like this is what's going on at home and with our kids and this is how I'm feeling. And it was just so nice to have someone support in that feeling because sometimes I feel isolated and alone. So it's not just connecting. You're talking about people are feeling so isolated, Paul. They just want to connect, not just during the school day, but whether it's at lunch or outside and actually find other things to connect about and support each other. Because that is one thing I feel like people are still isolated and a bit alone. I know where we are. Like, there's still hesitance to even meet pe- up with people. Yeah, so, I think that's a great toolkit item. I agree. That's that's really key. Um, I had compliments down because I think it is important to recognize the things that people are are doing well and really call it out. You know, intentionally call it out so that people know that their successes are being seen as well. You know, I think it's easy for us to overlook and dwell on the negative things, but call it out on, you know, on the teacher in the room next to you when you see them doing something great, you know, um, I think that's really powerful. And then I was just thinking as we were going, as I was going through that Facebook thing, how about find the funny? Let's find the funny in the day. (laughs) If we can laugh, that's pretty therapeutic, I think. T-shirt, find the funny. (laughs) Now it's time for the one thing. It's time for that one thing. One thing. One thing. It's time for that one thing. It's that one thing. Uh, <laughs> so just asking from the segment, like what's some one thing that you want to like take away with you and hold on and uh, remember from this conversation? There's so many things, but it all kind of goes back to our topic. And even that quote, like, teaching is hard and it matters. That's kind of the one-liner that is my one thing. And that I am just really appreciative of everyone who is in education right now, um, as hard as they're working. And, yes, it does matter. Like, you know, say no to some things. Like, I think that's a, like for me right now, that's real. Like I take on too much. So just be selfish and like, you know, remember to take care of me before it gets too, too hard. Yeah. And I, I keep thinking, keep going back to choir practice. You know, I think we need to connect on a human level. Rena, you talked about sitting down with your friend and, you know, just talking about personal things that aren't school things. I think that's really important. It's, it helps us keep some balance in our day. Let's think we talk about so often relationship with students, getting to know them on a different level, making those personal connections to their life, their world. And we don't do that enough as educators. So I think that's important. So we really have acknowledged that teaching is difficult. It seems to be getting harder, but we also have spent some time acknowledging that teaching matters. It matters to our young people. It matters to communities. And I don't just believe our children are the future, as Whitney would say, but I know they are. So (laughs) educators are the ones helping shape our future. So education matters to all because of the long and lasting effect it has. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you to all of our educators. And as Paul says, you matter and you truly make a difference. We invite you 
to visit us at avidopenaccess.org, where you can discover resources to support student agency, equity, and academic tenacity to create a classroom for future-ready learners. And remember, go forth and be awesome. Thank you for all you do. You make a difference.